0: Hi guys, welcome back to another edition of the Musings of the Movement Man. Uh today I've got two guests for the price of one, which is uh is is a little bit different, but yeah, I think you know these two guests have have been through an unbelievable season uh and have had you know had things pull from the last minute. Uh so you know I really want to want to get into into speaking to these two guys. Uh, I don't know them very well. I'm gonna let them introduce themselves because, you know, their knowledge and their expertise and their experience as far away anything that I've done. So, guys, introduce yourself to start with. Shall I go uh, ahead?
1: Um, yeah, go for it, Dave. Uh, my name's Dave Altendorf. I'm Assistant Manager at Lansing Football Club. Um, my full-time role is Assistant Director of Thomas Bennett Community College Football Academy. Um, I'm a qualified PE teacher. I've been teaching since 2008 and um, looking to progress in the game. Hi, I'm Nayam Ruan. I'm Lansing, a uh, first-team manager. Uh, away from football, I'm a plumbing and heating engineer, uh, property maintenance also, uh, student of the game. Love football uh, since day dot. Uh, looking to continue my uh, growth in the game and learn more, from, uh, learn more from everyone involved in the game also.
0: OK, guys, you guys listen to this. First thing to know is that, you know, these two guys who are uh, a managing team at Lansing who have won have the Sussex League by an absolute mile. Uh, and who, like a lot of sides at the moment, you know, season's been cancelled. League positions have been non and you know, and we're sitting here now with you know, that literally won the league by I don't know how many points? they were going to win it by, but they were far superior than anybody else. Uh, you know, going back to going back to drawing board last year, uh, not next season. But one of the things I want to start off with you two guys is I remember going in uh, to Lance in two two thousand eighteen. Christmas time, I think, November 2018-2019 season under the previous management. And, uh, and I got called in to have a chat with them. It's just, they weren't doing too well. You know, a big club like Lancet, I think got a the year before that. Uh, great, you know, great, uh, great pitch, great stadium. You know, everything was perfect. And the club weren't doing too well. I, you know, I went in and they finished, I don't know, mid-table or something, you know. So nothing, 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 nothing pretty, nothing sexy. And then you guys came in. And then you've gone from, you know, a mediocre average side with potential to actually be, you know, the best side in Sussex, playing the best football in Sussex, scoring the most goals in Sussex, getting the biggest crowd in Sussex. How the heck in UCA did you go from being an average mid-table Sussex club to actually playing away with it near enough, like you know, setting setting records, goal scores, 50-plus goals, best football in the league by far? What happened? Because that one, you know, that one looking like it was going to happen when I was there. I'll let Dave start on this one. Um.
1: Um, I think, first of all, it's not like a, a secret recipe where I can sort of say we did two or three different things and then people can go out and try and apply that and it's going to work. I would say it's more an accumulation of smaller incremental gains, a commitment and investment into small details, which over the course of the season all kind of added together. So... First and foremost, we sort of established what our playing philosophy was. Um, We tried to communicate that really clearly with the rest of the staff and all the players right from the outset. And then we retained the players from the existing squad that we were keen to keep hold of. Um, We managed to recruit in players that fitted our style of play and who bought into what we were trying to do. Um, We had a very young squad, as I'm sure you're aware, probably four or five 16 to 18 year olds starting every single match. Um, But... We, I would say, above all, the most important thing for us was that we were interested in putting on a good performance every week. We made it clear to the players that it wasn't all about win at all costs. Um, as a result of that, we were able to tailor the training to suit how we wanted to play on a match day. So everything had a relevance. And we were obviously keen on short passing, building through the thirds, um, loads of positional rotation trying to play attractive football. I mean, ultimately we were volunteers, so we weren't prepared to give up our time for free in order to just smash it in the channels and hopefully get three points at the end of it. So we were happy to you know, put on a good performance and if the results came, they came and that was great. But I think we took the pressure off the lads by saying, look, go out there, don't be afraid to make mistakes. We want everyone to have courage on the ball, including the goalkeeper, take risks in possession. And don't be frightened to make mistakes. And because we made that clear in pre-season, the players just went out there with almost like the shackles taken off. And we had players who, as you say, were playing for last season that were maybe under the microscope a little bit more and getting scrutinised when they made mistakes. With us, we sort of said, hey, it doesn't matter. You can make mistakes. Go and play with freedom. Go and express yourselves. And so mentally, we gave the players a lot of confidence. And luckily for us, they bought into that philosophy. And obviously, they paid dividends on the pitch. Anything else? Uh, just to add to that, um, on the management front, uh, I've always had a clear idea of how I'd like the game to be played even before uh, thinking about leaving playing, the playing side and uh, going into the man- management side. Uh, there was always a clear idea of the way I wanted to play, the fundamentals of how I see football played and how, how I like it to be played in order to achieve a result. Um, there was only ever going to be a couple of, Jobs I was going to be able to get into, and one of them was Lansing That was due to the fact that I played for him for a couple of years and was quite successful there as a captain. So, uh, achieving the first role in management at that level was always going to be quite difficult. But um, I, I spoke to a couple of people that I know on the committee, and uh, I, I gave them an idea of what I'd like to do and how I'd like to implement um, bringing in a new brand of football at Lansing and moving the club forward. And they were keen. They liked the ideas. Uh, so first thing was first. Was speaking to Dave, and me and Dave were kept in contact away from uh, football uh, for for a numerous uh, for a long, long period of time. And then we had an idea and a vision. We then added Kane, um, Kane, Louis to the to the group, who's a great guy, great footballer. Sees this, sees the game the same way as us. Um, and then we set about putting in a philosophy and uh, the way we wanted to play. And it was clear that. If I was going to play the way I wanted to play, I wanted the team to play, then it had to be done somewhere that gave us one, the training slots on the surface, and uh, to uh, be the, um, the, the pitch itself, a 3G surface, which was able for us to uh, implement the fundamentals getting and getting a good performance in week in, week out. Uh, after that, it was down to recruitment and bringing in, first and foremost, for me, good people, people that were able to listen. Uh, take on instructions and a lot of the time that will come from youth youngsters who are willing to learn listen and be sponges whereas uh, to older people they've, they're set in their own ways and it's much more difficult to uh, form a transition in them to play a certain brand of football and take on instructions from someone uh, like myself who's just stepped away from the playing side and someone like Dave who's also just stepped away from the playing side being 35 and 36 you have to gain a respect and uh, an understanding from your players so that was always going to be difficult but we set about going out and finding players that were technically gifted that were able to understand and that were good people uh, if you have that combination i then think when you're going into training sessions and you and you're trying to implement uh, and you start to gain the respect through they you, they see their performances and their results come with it they start to trust you as a manager and then it goes from there it's a snowball effect they start to gain more respect they become even more you know receptive to information and uh we just, we just kept going, kept going and went about our business, really.
0: <clears throat> Another question I want to ask you guys is, you know, obviously this is, you know, uh, me and Dave are sort of, I'm say, butted heads in the past, but we've been on opposing benches in academy games and, uh, and, and you know, Dave, had, you know, you have this philosophy of, of, of pureness in a way and, and obviously the, the environment I'm in is a little bit different, okay? Uh, so, but you, you two guys sort of first sort of roles in sort of men's football in a way, you know, and I can't really, you know, continue without asking. How are you mentally coping with what's happened? You know, like I say, you know, you you were there, top of the league, best goals, best team, you know, best football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You're all going to go up, and and you know, probably keep my notes in that playing staff. Probably get a few more in, you know, and probably to be honest with you, you know, the next level up, probably give that a really good go, a really, yep. really good go, you know, like Horsham have done. Uh, and obviously, you know, like a lot of clubs, that's sort of that stopped now. How have you personally, two of you, how have you coped mentally with knowing that potentially next season you are back back in Sussex League, going to rounds which, you know, you didn't want to go to. Well, I
1: think first of all, I think it's important to say that there was obviously other teams in the title race, Eastbourne Town, I think were six points behind us with a game in hand. New Haven, who were arguably the form team, going into the back end of the season, I think they'd won nine or ten on the spin. And if they won their games in hand, I thought that, that brought them within two points of us. So it certainly wasn't a foregone conclusion. But even if the league decided that they were going to go on points per game, which I think made us five points clear and we would have won the league title, it would have been a bit of an empty victory anyway. So there was no ideal solution. Um, if they'd gone with points per game or if they'd called the season null and void, Either way, wasn't an ideal scenario. Um, You know, I'm I'm a school teacher, same as you, and it's a bit like our students getting their predicted grades. Some of them are going to get A-stars, but the ones who had worked really, really hard for that A-star, it's not the same as being handed it on a piece of paper. You want to sit your exams and you want to earn it on merit. So it was a very, very disappointing end to the season for everybody, not just us and not just Lansing Football Club, but Eastbourne Town and New Haven, I'm sure, thought that they would go on and win it as well. But Naz and I made no secret of the fact that we're both ambitious and we want to progress in the game and we want to go up through the league. So from a personal point of view, to not get that promotion and not seal it and then have to do it all again makes our position really difficult now, doesn't it, Nurse? Yeah, it, it does. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, I think this is being aired, you say, next week. So we, you know, we, we don't have to beat around the bush. Me and Dave have had conversations with the chairman already and we have uh, we have said to him basically that, uh, we will probably be stepping away uh, as we don't see ourselves being able to replicate what we put together again uh, in the county league, just just purely down to the fact that we'd be almost lying to ourselves. I don't think we could put the same energy in. I don't think we could put the same intensity in. I don't think we could put the hours in, the the love, the passion. Um, you know, it, That's that's the fundamentals of that. Actually, that it it just comes down to not really being honest with being at Lancing, being able to deliver the same standards that we set this season. We, like Dave just said, I echo I echo what he just said. We we're hungry, we're ambitious. We felt we could go on to the next division and and go about it in the same in the same vein. You know, go out, perform again, bring in some more players, um, add to the group, and put on put on put some more performances on. And I think we'd we'd come a little bit. under the radar in that league and we'd uh, we'd go about our business again. And uh, I think teams would uh, would fear us as well because we're, we're a good side. We're a good side at home and we're a good side on good surfaces. So uh, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, like Dave said. I echo exactly what he said. The, uh, the points per game, obviously we would have loved that. But, you know, we wanted to finish the league the right way. We wanted to play the 38 games and see where it ended up and see where it took us, but that wasn't to be uh so so we just we we wait and see how uh how this goes now with the uh, pandemic and how this uh virus sees out because at the moment we just don't have any time scales or dates or anything so finding another job or being in football next season just doesn't really doesn't really make sense to talk about that at the moment but um that's how i see it really uh, we, we just have to move on it's been decided now and we just have to move on and look to look for our next project and uh, uh see where that takes us
0: yeah, tough times, like I just said, you know, in, 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 a, in a bigger scale of things, you know, football is, uh is, you know, it's the smallest off the scale at the moment, you know, there are bigger things, you know, important, but again, it's still something which you guys have strived all season, you know, passionately, with desire, with love, uh, and like I said, you know, decisions will be made from you guys. One of the other things I want to talk about, you know, I always talk about this philosophy. Everyone's got a philosophy of football, do not matter if you're drinking in a pub, do not matter if you're watching on telly, do not matter if you're with your friends, don't matter, you not know, matter if you're, 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 you're you know, an 85-year-old female, 21-year-old male. Everyone's got a philosophy of football. And you've mentioned your philosophy. Let's go through positions because I, I always find it quite intriguing when people speak about, you know, what do the, what, what, what they want in their goalkeeper? What do they want in their centre-backs? You know, you know, it's changed. The last 20 years, centre-backs, big, strong, ugly, got so to speak. You know, we're uh, really letting a forward move. You know, it was dominant, etc. Now, centre backs are slightly changing. You know, there will be ball players, etc. Let's start with goalkeeper. What do you look in your blueprint? Because you've got a blueprint now, and the great thing about it, guys, if you're listening to next week or whenever you are, these guys have a blueprint of success anywhere they can go. So they they they've laid it down in Lance, and the proof's in the pudding. And their blueprint can go anywhere with them. So you know that's something to consider. What is your blueprint? as a goal, for a goalkeeper. What's your blueprint? Goalkeeper, we were lucky this season because we had three
1: exceptional goalkeepers. We began the season with Taylor Seymour, who was an under-18 Sussex player for me. And obviously, you know him well through Worthing College. I think he's now been signed at Portsmouth, so he's gone on to bigger and better things, which for me is one of the success measures in terms of us doing our job correctly and all the other people that have worked with Taylor. So we're delighted for him. Then Matt Evans took the reins and did another cracking job. Um, Another goalkeeper that's extremely good with his feet. And then finally, we had Mitch Bromwich come in, who is another young goalkeeper with huge potential. Um, I think one thing that all of those goalkeepers have in common, extremely brave on the ball, courageous, look to play out whenever they can. Both, in fact, all of them could could play outfield quite easily. So we're looking for a goalkeeper. I think most teams are looking for a goalkeeper in the modern age, if you look at elite football, who can also play as as an extra man that can step in and be good with the ball. I think that's essential now if you want to try and progress as a team and play at a high level. Uh, for me, for me, it was difficult to, uh, as a goalkeeper, recruiting a goalkeeper at a club like Lansing, who didn't have a budget. You're always looking for, you're trying to find someone that's going to be young or who's interested in developing his game and stepping into the men's game. So you have to look at a player that could potentially make mistakes, that's learning his trade. So for me, it was all about confidence. Uh, confidence in a goalkeeper and their personality because you're asking a goalkeeper to play and see a lot of the ball a lot of the ball I'd say probably going to have more of the ball than the majority of the centre-halves that play uh, in the county league and it's one thing telling them to do that but you, you have to believe in them you have to show that confidence in them and, that, and it reflects if you're showing that in them it's one thing saying it as a manager I want you to play out and then you see it on the sidelines a lot of the time managers get agitated or you know, aggressive towards how they're playing or mistakes being made. You can't show that sign uh, side of the side of you, and if you do that, it's very difficult for them for your goalkeeper to try and play passes through the lines or to clip a little a little pass into your left back or your right back. It's very difficult to to draw that out of them. So for me, it's that personality and that confidence to take responsibility and to be able to make mistakes. So. And like Dave said, all three goalkeepers we had were fantastic. It was a shame we couldn't uh, couldn't have kept Taylor Seymour. He was brilliant, not only as a not only as a goalkeeper on the pitch, but off the pitch. His personality was infectious, and a massive, massive team player. Matt Evans, a really cool and calming influence. He, he surprised me actually. He was so good with his feet on the ball. He, he was one of the better better ball playing goalkeepers that we had actually this season. And then Mitch Bromage. Who couldn't, find, who couldn't find the club this season at Burgess Hill? He didn't get his game time. And then Broadbridge Heath, they were struggling at the time. So he just didn't find his confidence. And then in we've instilled a confidence in him. He's trained his training ethic, his work ethic in training is second to none. Even if our goalkeeping coach isn't there, he'll put on his own session. He'll be there working on all his skills. And it just showed towards the end, he just grew, grew, and grew. And he started to, he started to look a class act. And I'm sure he'll go on to be a top, top goalkeeper.
0: Let's go to the other end of the pitch because to the forwards these days are potentially no longer goal scores. You know, they 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 they, they are to do other things. Okay? And then at the end of the season you look and go, well he only scored 15 goals or 12 goals or she scored you know 10 goals, or whatever, and, and you always look back, oh we were scoring goals. You had goal scores. You had you had you know you had you had the boy who scored fifty plus and you had others. You had genuine goal scores and you it looked like you played a way for them to score goals. How important is it, and this is, this is a really weird question, but how, is it, how important is it for your number nine and your number 10 to be goal scorers, or is it more important that they're just a forward who, that number 10 role that links things in? In our team,
1: you if you're a forward player, you have to tick a lot of boxes. As you've sort of already alluded to, we, we didn't have out-and-out out defenders, so we've tried to defend high up the pitch. So you had to have a good work ethic about you. You had to be fit and dynamic, so... All of the boys, and we played lots of different people in lots of different positions over the season, but all of the boys that played there had a high work ethic and we tried to to make more of our defensive contribution in our opponent's half. Um, Lewis Finney, the guy you talked about who scored 50 goals, he hasn't played striker all season. He played left wing and then he played attacking central midfield. So to be that prolific from those two positions is actually phenomenal. Um, Until we signed Ben Connolly, which was probably around January time, something like that, um, we didn't actually have an out and out striker. We played James Rhodes as the nine, who used to kind of drop in and play as a like false nine, make an extra man in midfield, and then the wingers would go beyond him. Uh, we played with Kane Louis up top, who again is more of an attacking midfielder these days. Um, we tried lots of people in that position. Alex Fair is probably our most natural striker, but unfortunately couldn't get a run of games to get us trouble with injuries at the beginning of the season, but still managed to chip in with 16 or 17 goals this season. So, fortunately, because of the style of football that we played, where it's very fluid. The positions aren't particularly fixed. As long as somebody was occupying that position during the build-up play, it didn't really matter. And I think that's why a lot of our opponents struggled to deal with us because they weren't always quite sure what formation we were playing or whose man it was, who they're supposed to pick up because the number nine was always rotating and dropping in with somebody else. Uh, for me, in terms of centre-forward, Row, well, I'll echo what Dave said. We always almost played with a false nine. Uh, we had Alex Fair, who, who's a great, who's a great centre forward. To be fair, he's a, he's a finisher. The boy, he's a really good player. He just struggled with uh, injuries and fitness uh, levels early on in the season, and it it really started. It was a stop-start season. But when we had him for a period of time, he looked a, a really top player for us. But for me, it was all about. Uh, positional rotation and being being good on the ball, retaining the ball in good areas and being patient and when we were able to do that, we had a lot of intelligent uh, technical footballers and for me the key, the key word there is intelligence is when to exploit when to hold when to keep the ball uh, to allow our team to uh, close the distances from back to front through the thirds that allowed us to then sustain attacks and then we were able to then build confidence on the ball and thread little passes and be patient and ultimately. It goes hand in hand with Lewis Finney scoring fifty goals. He was a lot of the players actually got into the same positions Lewis Finney did, but they were unable to execute the same way. And it just it was a credit to him his technique uh, and his uh, composure is what what set him apart. To be honest with you, every time he was in front of goal, he looked he looked calm, composed, and in complete control of what he was doing. And his confidence just built from there. And it, got, it also uh, He's uh, a good example of of someone when you hit a hot streak and you're playing with managers that believe in you and you get your confidence up of how technically he's the same footballer as he was last season and the season before and he's never scored 50 goals. But once you get that self-belief and that mentality, you feel like you're going to score every time you're in that position and you want to get yourself in that position. You, you, just, you just can't miss. And, and that for me was like an interesting almost social experiment of seeing a guy who I've known over the years in County League with and against and to see him almost like a, a rejuvenated player was, was great to see. Yeah. And just to add to that, there was no coincidence also that we gave him the captain's armband. we felt that he represented what we wanted from a player in our team. Someone that could take the ball anywhere has the, uh, the courage, the balls to take it anywhere will continue to play the same way. And we felt that once we gave him that responsibility, his work ethic, his, uh, his desire to prove, prove what he was about and, and, feed the team's ego in such, you know, in, in such a way yeah. because on, on that Naz, no, like you know talking about his work ethic and stuff and he's almost like the talisman of the team as you say who's our yeah. captain yeah. but he set the example for everybody else and I think in all the most successful teams I like, could use Cristiano Ronaldo as the most obvious example but his work ethic is, is supreme um, and so because you see someone with so much talent and so much ability working that hard it inspires everybody else and everyone else goes well bloody hell I, I better work that hard as well so, for me, sort of echoes one of, my, one of my sort of non-negotiables, which is that we just don't, don't tolerate luxury players. You know, everybody has to work hard. Everybody has to make a defensive contribution. You can't just play well one game in six and score a hat-trick and then go missing for five games. And so Lewis was so consistent with his performances that he really was an influence on everybody else, especially the young players. But, but for me, this, does, this goes hand-in-hand hand with uh, the training sessions and the coaching we put on. It was it was no fluke, you know, everything we did, it was, go- we were seeing goals, we were seeing finishes and it was like, we've seen that in training, you know, because we worked on it so hard. It was no difference. And he was a real fine example. I think in the, in the 55, 60 odd games we played, including cup um, and the, and the two training sessions we put on every single week, other than when we had a, a fixture on the Tuesday night, he didn't miss a session. He literally did not miss a session his application and intensity in the sessions was second to none. And, and I've spoken to Lewis about this recently. I said, do you think there's any coincidence that you didn't miss any training sessions? You were there for most games. You kept yourself in good condition. And he, said, he was literally like, no, no. That's, it goes hand in hand. If you apply yourself correctly, you train correctly, then the results will come. And, you, you know, 50 goals from a player and never played in a, in a centre-forward position is, is phenomenal, really.
0: Here's another question I'll we'll ask you based on that one. And this is, this is quite intriguing, yeah. in a way. Is... It's quite—I to say—it's simple, but it's when, when, when you're in a struggling team or a struggling you know, environment uh, to build encouragement, to build you know team, you know team ethic and things like that. It's, it's, simple. it's simple, okay. For example, I, I went in after Christmas to a local Sussex League club who were struggling a little bit. I did three or four weeks, kept in touch with players consistently, uh, and gave the you know us against them world attitude. And, and it got the club out of the bottom four, bottom five. And I think they finished sixth or seventh from bottom. Okay. That's, that's a simple mentality because people are down in their luck. And you, you, know, you give people encouragement. You put arms around people. You say it's us, beat them. And they're, you know, they're out to get you and things like that. The old crazy game women style. Then you're going to get results. How do you get that when you're winning? Because it's a different mentality of we need to do this to survive. To actually people are trying to hurt us each week. And we are top of the league, or there, thereabouts. But we need to keep that mentality going. How do you keep the mental? How how do you keep the mental state of the players? Does that make does that make sense? That question. I mean, it's easy to get I, out of fight. But when you're winning the fight, you maintain that you know top of the league. How do you keep doing that?
1: I, I mean, I had this discussion with Dave quite a lot uh, in our training sessions, and often I'd speak to him about what we wanted to work on and, and how we'd wanted to how we wanted to work on it in training. And the key for me, what you've, the question you've just asked was uh, training intensity, uh, training training ground representation of a match day. You know it, For me, I said to Dave, "I want there to be contact. I want there to be intensity. I, I wanted to risk injuries. Uh, you know it was a case of that. For me, it was about that. It, it's all about your intensity and training, building up to a match day. If you get that right. You go into a match day representing and and doing what you know, implementing what you've been done in training sessions on the Tuesday and the Thursday with that same intensity, that same courage, that same being aggressive on the ball and being aggressive in the tackle, then it just goes hand in hand. And that's what we said to the boys you could, we could never rest on our laurels. We always had room for improvement if it was moving the ball, moving it quicker in terms of being better on it, you know, your awareness in where you are on the pitch, positional sense and everything we, there was so much improvement it was never a case of just going we're, we're unbelievable now let's just uh, let's just stick with what we're doing we're not like that as coaches or as a management team when you know we always look for improvement and we never felt I often say it to the boys in the group chat I said that we're we're a good team but I always felt we never really got out of third or fourth gear I thought there was gears there still and I thought there was a lot more talent that we could have extracted and a lot more uh, football knowledge that we could have coached into them and and you know that's that was the great that was the most disappointing thing is I wanted to go up another level with this group to you know to try and extract that and that was probably my biggest disappointment going back to the value of training as well one thing that Naz in particular is really good at is creating a positive dressing room environment so when people used to turn up to training on a Tuesday or a Thursday it felt like a match day I think in my experience of playing possibly I didn't play high enough but you turn up to training and it felt like you were just going through the motions, whereas you turn up to lasting training and it felt competitive. It felt like it was, a, it was a game. The shirts were hung up, the music was on, there's snacks and drinks, there's ice baths. So it's all those smaller details and stuff where you're thinking, oh, they're taking this seriously. And if you can see that the management are taking it seriously, it sort of permeates throughout the rest of the squad. Everybody else takes it seriously. So there was a real competitiveness to what we did in training. And we were just quite relentless about that, you know, the, the effort that we put into it getting there early, setting up the thing up, making sure it looks neat and tidy and well organised. The whole kind of process was so slick and professional that the players just kind of went along with it and bought into that.
0: Guys, you know, I think some of the things you said today, it all comes back to, you know, that attention to detail, you know, that work in the, in the real situation, being, being real. You know, everything you do has to be with passion, desire and intensity, you know. Uh, and again, if, if those things are not instilled in people, then, you know, it's, it's an impossibility to get the best out of people. It, it just, just on that point, it comes back
1: to, honestly, a uh, really simple detail is the recruitment. It's about getting players that when they turn up for training, they're going to listen to you. They're going to have that work ethic. They're going to have that desire. You could go out and uh, recruit players that are talented footballers that just might not fit your identity or might not fit your ethic. And that just that soon rubs off on other players and it just creates an environment where you're we had a lot of offers along the way as well, didn't we, Naz? I'm not going to name any names, but players approaching us and people trying to get involved in what we were doing. But Naz and I would always have a conversation and decide are they the right personality to fit our squad? Are they going to disrupt it? Are they going to upset the Apple cart? And there was very talented footballers that we sort of said maybe not at this moment in time because of that reason. I, I actually for me, I actually miss the training sessions more than the match day. That might sound strange, but that's that's where you get your work done. And I know it sounds like, oh, it's only Sussex County League, you know, you don't have to be like that. You can go out on a Saturday and get a result, but that's where there was the difference. That's not only were we put getting results, we were performing with the results. And to perform and get results is tough in a certain brand, you know, football. There's ways of there's ways of getting results, no doubt about that. But to do it the way we did with players that were, you know, we barely had a player that was over five foot eleven. And 11 stone you know so you had to implement and you had to train well there was no way we could produce what we produced without two sessions a week being being put on by dave's uh coaching and and, and our ideas of how we wanted to implement it was no way we could uh, get results unless we worked so hard in training so it was key for me and it just goes back to having those personalities and recruiting correctly if you recruit correctly you'll often find if it fits your identity and you get the right people in you should be able to carry out instructions
0: guys what, what i'm getting is that severe attention to detail you yeah. know nothing, nothing is left nothing is left for chance you know and if you put everything back into your capabilities you take away chance great things happen guys what a few minutes left uh, i i want to revisit this again in a couple of weeks I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper down to your philosophy, down to your beliefs, you know, what you believe should be done, what you believe can be done, how it can be done. I really want to duck down this. But the last few minutes, what have you got as a leaving, leaving thought for the guys that are going to listen to this next week?
1: Um, to be honest, I would say that we're not stupid. We know that there's, there's more than one way of playing football. I mean, you look at the top level, you look at Atletico Madrid with Simeone, you look at Leicester City winning the Premier League title, compare that to Guardiola or Bielsa or to Klopp. And it's all completely different brands of football and they're all successful. So there's there's no problem in playing different ways and I appreciate different styles of football. But I think above all for me, the most important thing is establish what your idea is, what your philosophy is, and communicate that clearly with the players and the staff from the outset so that they're making an informed decision about whether they want to be there. But also you can then make everything you say and do in terms of training and your feedback and your exercises relevant to how you want to perform on a match day. Because otherwise you're just turning up on a Tuesday and a Thursday, going through the motions, basically just social and physical conditioning without really any tactical thought. And then you're hoping for the best on a Saturday. So the one thing I would say is it doesn't matter how you want to play just make sure you know how you want to play and make sure everyone within your team understands that identity for me for me football is it just comes back down to it, it, it it's, a, it's, an, it's entertainment it's a place to come away from your stresses in life and you've got people coming to watch and the last thing in my opinion is you want to be doing is it is is playing a way that you don't enjoy. For me, you've got to love what you're doing. You've got to love what you're doing and enjoy what you're doing. And I really did enjoy and love what I was doing, regardless of how the league's ended up, regardless of results, to be honest with you, to some extent. If we performed correctly, I, I. I you know, I knew where we had to work on because we, we performed well. I knew what we had to improve on in order to achieve a better result in the following week. So I always came away thinking, I enjoyed our performance today. That's what we've got to work on. That's where we weren't good enough. Um, for me, that's where it comes back to. It's just loving what you do and having a passion for what you do. And ultimately, if you love what you do and you have a passion for it, success comes with that a lot of the time. So that would be my message is just enjoy what you're doing. You know, you only get a small period of time with these players and, you know, two hours on a Tuesday night or two or three hours on a, on a Thursday night and, and a match day, you know, four or five hours. You've got to make that an enjoyable environment and try and implement your ideas and your, your love of the game on your players. That's that's where I'd come back to.
0: Guys, we are going to be this in a couple of weeks. I really want to go down a rabbit hole of, of, you know, your... Your thoughts, beliefs, feelings about football, football in general, football in your in your, the league that you play in, football in you know, in, in Premiership and the whole shabang. Because I think you guys got some unbelievable knowledge bombs that you know we've only just started to, started to sort of uh, in this podcast go down, guys. I want to say before we go, uh, listen to this podcast because I think, and I you know Dave knows me better than you do, uh, Naz, but you know I, I tend to say what I say. And it's, truth what I believe I don't tend to sort of hold back and you know and go bears and graces but guys we listen to this listen back to this because these are two young coaches who are who are going to whatever happens next season they are going to do something great with their careers and you know their ethics of football their ideologies their beliefs there's attention to detail they understand that people are people before they are players letting people express themselves now so much fun is exactly what you know, experts in their field do. So these guys, whatever happens next season, are going to do some amazing stuff. But we are going to revisit this in two weeks, I guarantee, and we are going to go down a rabbit hole. But for now, guys, I appreciate your time on being on this podcast. Thanks Thanks for having us,
1: Stephen. Enjoyable. Cheers.
0: All right, guys. Like I Go back listen to these guys. Wisdom and knowledge is, you know, uh, knowledge bombs have been dropped and I, I want to personally get some more knowledge bombs from these guys. As always, guys, and I leave you, stay safe. Stay at home, have so much fun with your family. And I'm going to take what these two have said do everything with passion, desire, and love, and life will be great for you. Until next time, guys, speak to me. Steve Brave, McMurray Man. Yes. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate.